AgriTalk is brought to you by Full Scale from Helena. Grow Strong returns this season with breakthrough foliar nutrition from Full Scale at Reproduction. And by Propane. Propane is the energy for everyone, especially farmers. Environmentally friendly propane can fuel most anything on the farm. See how at propane.com. Another shot of export demand for U.S. off-grid winter wheat sent futures solidly higher, even as a hint of change in the Brazilian weather pattern pulled the soy complex solidly lower. Left in the middle was the corn market. New contract lows were notched in feeder cattle futures, while live cattle were sharply lower as hog futures kept the upside recovery rolling. Live, mind from data we don't fully understand. Via Farm Journal broadcast, this is AgriTalk. This afternoon, we begin with a conversation with Jared Creed from JC Marketing. And later, it's Kerry Artek from ArtekAdvisory.com. And directly following the news, Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group drops by. I'm handsome newsman Davis Michelson, and now here's the host of AgriTalk, Jeff Laurie. All right, Davis, thank you very much. Uh, and welcome to AgriTalk, the PM edition mm-hmm. of AgriTalk. Mm-hmm. Glad that you're with us. Bienvenue, one and all. <laughs> is, is that right? Does that mean you should be listening to our show, one and all? I think that's what that means. I, th- I, th- I think so. I think that's I Latin think that's for right. you turn on your radio, bienvenue. <laughs> Pretty sure. Outstanding. Well, yeah, I was going to say bless you uh, or gazoot height, but, you know, I think we're all okay. God don't speak Spanish. Ah, gotcha. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Oh, man, what a ugly day out there in northeast Iowa. It's cloudy. It's gloomy. We made it all the way to 40 degrees. So, but, uh, you know, at least it's not a blizzard out there with with temperatures below zero. So, like I said earlier this Mm -hmm. morning, I feel like we're living on borrowed time, dude. Well, here's the thing. You know, uh, it's it's 46 and sunny here. Yeah. But. The other side of the cart, my leg kind of hurts a little bit, you know. It's a little <laughs> stiff in the in the right shoulder from the weekend. Right. So, yeah. you know, you take the good with the bad, bro. Yeah. Because you sound like you feel fantastic right oh, now. Oh, I do. I do. Yeah. I feel good. Yeah. I feel Attaboy. good. Yeah, I got a shot of all the grandkids this weekend. How oh, can I not feel good? That'll do it. That'll do it. Yep. You bet. You bet. Looking forward to the conversation with Jared Creed coming up here in just a little bit. Uh, it's been a while since Jared has been on mm-hmm. the show. I wonder what the conversations sound like as he's talking about risk management heading into the end of the year some things to be thinking about for the start of 2024 uh we're going to go down that path with jared coming up here in just a little bit right now let's get to the markets what do you got well chip export sales of wheat in the week ended november 30 totaled 188,000 metric tons that fell short of trade expectations however USDA announced the sale of 440,000 metric tons of U.S. soft red winter wheat for delivery to China in the current marketing year. The sale accelerated short covering and sent March SRW futures to the highest level since the October 20 upside price spike. Today's close was the fifth consecutive higher close and the highest since September 15. Statistics Canada this morning estimated the 2024 wheat harvest at 32 million metric tons. That's about 900,000 tons above the average trade gas chip march hrw wheat futures were 11 cents higher today 657 and three quarters march srw wheat up 17 and three quarters 620 and a half march spring wheat closed at 736 and one quarter that's up six cents on the day chip 
Yeah, it was a nice move to the upside. When you take a look at the March SRW futures in particular, it it, it looks and feels like an upside breakout. Mm. I wouldn't call it that yet. I wouldn't call it that. We've got just a little bit more work to do before I think we can call it a uh, that the, an upside breakout. I, I would have liked to have seen a close above the November 8th high at 622, but we do have a higher high now in, on the chart. So that's at least the first sign of, of that upside breakout. Well, let me know, and I'll, uh, I'll get the music queued up when we're ready. <laughs> okay. Export inspections of corn in the weekend of November 30 totaled 1.158 million metric tons, easily topping trade expectations. USDA this morning also announced the sale of 267,000 metric tons of corn for delivery to Mexico in the current marketing year. Corn trade, however, was caught between double-digit gains in wheat and double-digit losses in soybeans. March corn posted an inside trading range with a close above the opening range. Resistance stands at Friday's high of 489 and a half. The forecast for central Brazil calls for some relief from drought conditions, but not enough rain to call for the end of the drought. March corn futures were three quarters of one cent higher at 485 and a half. May corn up a quarter of a penny, 497. July corn futures closed at 506 and three quarters, down one quarter of a cent, Chip. Yeah, we'll find out from Jared just how much weather is really having an impact on this market right now. Export inspections of soybeans in the weekend of November 30 totaled 1.11 million metric tons, and that was shy of trade expectations. USDA also announced the sale of 183,000 metric tons of soybean meal for delivery to the Philippines in the current marketing year. Brazilian consulting firm AgRural cut its Brazilian bean crop estimate 4.4 million metric tons from its previous peg, dropping the crop outlook to 159.1 million metric tons. AgRural also says 85% of the Brazilian bean crop was planted as of November 30, still behind last year's pace of 91% complete. Forecasters see another 10 days of drought, but a pattern shift is expected in the second half of the month. January beans gapped lower, firm to fill the gap, then dropped to close near session lows. January beans were 18 and three quarters lower today, 1306 and one quarter. March beans down 19 cents, 1326 and a half. May beans closed at 1342. That's down 18 and a half, Chip. Yeah, March meal down 440 today and January soybean. Ah, let's go out to the March soybean oil down 21 points. May cotton was 74 points lower, 78.68. We'll get to the particulars later on these livestocks. But having said that, February live cattle, 205 lower today, 167.07.5. Jan feeders down 390, 210.52.5. Hey, and look here, February hogs, 70 cents higher, 70.80 at the close. Chip. All right. Thank you very much, Davis. Let's bring in Jack Scoville from the Price Futures Group. Good afternoon, Jack. Well, good afternoon to you. How, how are yeah. things out there in Iowa? Well, a little cloudy, a little cool, but certainly not too bad, that's for sure. I'll take 40 degrees on uh, December 4th, pretty much any December 4th that comes along, dude. So Yeah, I know what you mean. I know yep. what you mean. It's, it's, yep. it's Not too bad. It's, that's so, pretty nice weather for this time of year. Yep, we've got wheat futures almost 20 cents higher. We've got bean futures almost 20 cents lower. And corn near steady on the day. What kind of a read do you put on that? Well, I think we had an uh, an events day. Um, we had better than expected rains uh, apparently in central and northern Brazil over the weekend to uh, crash down on the beans, at least in part. 
the wheat definitely supported by uh, China buying 440,000 tons of soft red winter. If you look at it, the KC and Minneapolis markets didn't do nearly anything nearly as, as much as the Chicago market did. So uh, clearly the uh, sale of soft red winter to uh, China and in that amount was very, very positive and the export inspections were positive as well. And the corn just uh, kind of got caught in between from what I can gather. Yeah. Uh, there really just wasn't any news for the corn market, so it kind of sat there. Uh, Supported a little bit by the wheat, but it hurt a little bit by the beans. Okay. Level of concern among the growers in Brazil that you talk with over the bean crop down there, Jack? I, you know, I, I think that there's more concern up here. Uh, I, I think, you know, they're worried about it. They're going to have to replant a lot of beans, but I think really they're, they're kind of more worried about the second corn crop coming along, and gotcha. especially in central and northern areas. I think uh, the beans will get uh, produced. Gotcha. Uh, they'll gotcha. have to replant, but uh, they're going to they're going to get them produced. But uh, the corn is probably going to be the issue. Gotcha. Good stuff, Jack. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate you. No problem. You bet. That's Jack Scoville, Price Futures Group. We got Jared Creed, JC Marketing, up next. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. The truth is hard to come by these days, it unless <laughs> you listen to AgriTalk. <laughs> All right. We are uh, not going to take the leave next it alone. 20 minutes. Yeah, we don't have time for this. <laughs> debate this. No. no way. No how. Turn it down. Turn it down. Get it out of here. There. Thank you. Thank you, Sam. So we have Sam in mm-hmm. today. Yeah, Big Appreciate Apple Joe's you, taking a day off. Uh, we got much here, needed and show. deserved. Well, much deserved. I don't mean much needed, but much deserved yes. day off. Yes. yes. I think he absolutely. might have needed a day off, too. He's been busy. That's right. That's right. Give us just a few of the details on the livestock trade. Yeah, on the livestock trade, we got January feeder cattle. They set a contract high on September 15 and fell $59.35 to a contract low ever since. Today's fall through last week's low accelerated the sell-off and dragged live cattle futures lower. Once again, Feb live cattle 205 lower, 167.07 and a half. The April contract was down a buck 92 and a half. January feeders off 390 today to 210.52 and a half. And just real quick on the hogs, a quick note, February lean hogs did spike support at Friday's low and then they rallied to test resistance just under Friday's high. Feb lean hogs, they once again, 70 cents higher, 70, 80. The April contract, 117 and a half higher. Chip? All right. Thank you very much. $59.35 from the contract. Is that all? 
Oh, that's all. Yeah, just that's a, it. Just a little that's mild it. pressure. Well, mild right. pressure. We're fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. Narrow trade on that contract. We'll get you him know, back tomorrow. That's really something. <laughs> all right, Jared Creed, JC Marketing, is our guest analyst today. Jared, it's good to talk with you again, buddy. How are you? Oh, I can't complain. I wish the Chiefs would have pulled out a W last night, but it is. We what weren't it supposed is. to bring it up, Jared. We I talked just about it. We weren't. We told weren't going to say Davis. it. <laughs> I just told Davis, don't bring up the game. <laughs> oh, it is what it is. Yeah, I know it. I know. Boy, it. you hate to see him cart number six well, off the field after that exciting play a couple of games ago, dude. That's a shame. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, and here's the deal. Here's the deal. Two years ago, if you would have told me that I would be a 49ers fan, I'd have called you a, a liar, liar, pants on fire. And here we are, two years later, and you know I'm a 49ers that, fan. Right? Huh? You know what they call that, right? That's what? just an outright bandwagon thing. Bandwagon? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, and and Purdy's thing. driving it. Purdy's got the reins on the All bandwagon, right. and I'm riding. Sure, I'll go along. He's, he's doing good. He's, yeah. It's a heck of a story he's got going. That's right. That's right. So, all right, buddy. Um, let's let's start with the conversations that you are having with clients going into the end of the year. What do they sound like? What are you trying to evaluate? What are you trying to do? Most of the conversations in the last 30 days <clears throat> has been solidifying the numbers to meet with accountants for year-end planning and, in addition, meeting with financial institutions for renewals for the 2024 crop. Um, for the most part, I would say, this sounds bad to say, Chip, but you know, we were rather aggressive the last 18 months, uh, and even with that aggressiveness, things are still pretty darn tight. Um, plenty of revenue generated, obviously, in the world that we live in, call it inflation or not. Uh, the cost of doing business just continues to stay elevated. Yeah. Uh, and taking that and looking forward into next year, it's just making sure that we are, you know, we're, we're on top of our game from understanding, knowing what we need to accomplish, not necessarily what we want to accomplish. And quite frankly, some of that need to accomplish is just to make sure that we don't go backwards. Yep. We've been talking about for a long time that these opportunities and the transition of land from one farm to another, uh, even ownership for that matter, those opportunities are going to start coming around left and right. And I can't, um, I can't emphasize enough just how many of those opportunities have started to present themselves in the last 60 days. So not only are we looking forward to making sure we have our ducks in a row for next year. Uh, but in addition, evaluating all these different opportunities that come our way, whether it comes with buying new ground uh, or picking up additional rented ground and even a mix in there of been renting ground for years and no secret prices, very high landowners see those numbers and maybe get a little bit of an itch to start okay. liquidating their land ownership, which is kind of hard to, uh, it's kind of hard to disagree with them, I should say. Yeah. So yeah. The, the, the emphasis here in all of this is that <clears throat> I just want to, you know, get it out of the way right away that it took a pretty aggressive plan over the last 24 months to really come out of the 2023 calendar year 
um, having any type of a positive outlook or a build in working capital. And that seems to be a building conversation at the bank level here in the last few weeks as renewal season kicks up uh, that U.S. Farmer has given up um, working capital at a much faster pace than what they earned in the last couple of years. Okay, how did that happen, Jared? Because I agree with you. I'm starting to to get that feeling as well. I've not said it. I, you, you definitely said that before I, I mentioned it on the show. But I'm well, definitely picking the picking that up. Why is why did that happen? Well, I think there's a couple different attack angles here, Chip. First off, no secret how it got built so fast. Good crops, high prices, coming out of a lot of government funding for several years. Cash position got very plush in a hurry. Mm-hmm. Um, I think from a 30,000-foot view, if you consider why that working capital maybe went backwards as fast as it has, and again, this isn't everybody, but I think it's probably greater than 50% of U.S. agriculture pretty easily. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you look back at the prices that were on a table for the 2022 crop, uh, how long that crop sat in the bins, let alone the last quarterly stocks report, we noticed that there was still a substantial amount of more corn on the farm than normal. Not really the case in soybeans. Um, and then coupled with that, if all that stuff sat around for an extended period of time, it obviously took some of the focus away from mitigating any type of risk going into the 2023 crop year. And you fast forward through the insurance averaging period and the yields, you know, imagine if you're a 92 million acre corn farmer and the average policy somewhere between 75 to 80% and our national yield ends up coming in around 175 with that 488 harvest price, there was not much insurance money to go around. And I'll go back to what we talked about last time. I had to go back and look at these notes that it's just a danger zone for a farm to believe that they have this safety net in place based upon what price action has done. And lo and behold, we get through that critical period and the market takes another leg lower. So not to be forgotten, we just came out of the highest cost of production crop ever. No, none of your listeners, none of the U.S. producers have ever planted a crop as high as expense as what the 2023 corn crop was. And that goes with beans as well. So the cash outlie, um, perhaps I'm not trying to judge here. It sounds awfully judgy, but the, the chase to avoid Uncle Sam and perhaps making capital expenditures that don't make the most sense. That obviously draws down on working capital. I'm not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that working capital is the kingpin to keeping an operation fluid, but it certainly has an impact at the banking level when it comes to financing a very expensive crop at nine to ten percent interest. It all adds up. Yeah, It, it, it it all adds up, and. You know, some of the early indications from context that we have, uh, plenty of situations where three to four, maybe even $500 an acre working capital has been mm-hmm. eroded from just one year ago. Mm-hmm. So, again, it's not applicable to everybody. It's not but, a sign of some bad times to come, but it certainly is a few shots fired to be mindful 
of, again, what you need to accomplish, not necessarily what you want to accomplish. Right. Right. Uh, And there's going to be some very colorful conversations with uh, some financial institutions this winter, uh, especially for those who are at the mercy of Mother Nature, not really providing them all the best of a crop uh, in conjunction with, obviously, you know, we planted a $6 corn crop. It's not the side of that. We were buying inputs, trying to plant a $6 crop, now hoping to sell it for five net of interest, possibly sell it closer to four. That's a dangerous, slippery slope. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I was just going to say, you took us in a full circle there, Jared, because you talked about how you were fairly aggressive with this crop. And if you're still trying to pay for those 23 crop expenses with a crop that is sitting in the bin, you're, you're... you're struggling uh, to, to make that 23 crop work. Now, the risk is that you just make the decision, well, I'm going to let the 23 crop be what the 23 crop will be, and I am going to focus more aggressively on 2024 crop going forward. Now, boy, you got to get control of one crop before you can move on to the next, and, and I want to talk about that with you. Let's move on from 23 crop marketing and start talking about considerations on 24 crop corn and soybean marketings. We're going to do that next with Jared Creed, JC Marketing, here on AgriTalk. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. Full Scale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about Full Scale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Let's go to the markets page at profarmer.com and check today's closes where March HRW wheat futures were 11 cents higher at 657 and three quarters. March soft red wheat up 17 and three quarters at 620 and one half. March corn futures three quarters of one cent higher at 485 and a half. May corn up a quarter of one penny to 497. January soybeans 18 and three quarter cents lower, 1306 and one quarter. March beans down 19 cents, 1326 and one half. March cotton was 74 points lower today, 78.68. On your livestocks, February fat cattle 205 lower, 167.07 and one half. January feeder futures off 390, 210.52 and a half. February lean hog futures 70 cents higher at 70.80. Get more market news every market day. Just visit tryprofarmer.com. Opinions expressed on AgriTalk do not necessarily reflect the views of Farm Journal Broadcasting, affiliate stations, or sponsors. Do you suffer from talking on the radio phobia? No problem. 
send us a tweet at hashtag Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. I'm Chip. We're in the middle of a conversation with today's advisor. That is Jared Creed, JC Marketing. We spent a lot of time, well, we spent the whole time talking about things to think about in marketing the 2023 uh, crop. You know, the other thing, Jared, on the working capital, you look at the record farm income that we had in 2022, it came with record ad hoc spending. I didn't realize that. I, I, I figured there's no way that it was bigger than what it was in 2018, 2019 with the market facilitation program payments. I just figured no way. But when you bring that ad hoc spending from the government down to the level that we saw in 2023, you get a big year-to-year drop in revenue. And so it's going to be interesting to see how they view ad hoc spending as we get into 2024. I mean, it's an election year. You got you got to assume they're going to dump some money in it, right? <laughs> well, we can all wear our tinfoil hats. I don't know about that, Chip. I mean, you've got the new ERP program that's kind of making its way around, but that's more so tied to any type of production or revenue losses from 2022, yeah. which really doesn't qualify for everybody. It's kind of just dependent on what uh, individuals chose for coverage levels a year prior, which I'll just say that I think that's a, a bunch just how they go about that, but is what it is. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about the 24 crop. Uh, what, what does that conversation sound like right now, Jared? And, and uh, I don't know, do you need to split out corn and soybeans or can you talk about them at the same time? No, I think we can split them out rather easily yeah. because I still hate soybeans. Nothing's changed there. Um, <laughs> you know, again, our cost production, uh, the estimates that we do, it's, or not estimates, I mean, it's real numbers. Every single transaction that comes across the farm and uh, listeners might just roll their eyes at this, but I'm telling you, we can give you probably 75,000 acres of a database of Western Corn Belt soybeans that the average cost production is over $800 an acre. Do the math on that at $12, $13, $14 beans. It just doesn't get there. Uh, It's tough to make it happen. So on the soybean front for 24, um, we actually did choose to go ahead and use margin protection for soybeans for next year for the majority of our um, more as a a situation that I'm not going to let us lose more than 100, 150 bucks an acre, because at the end of the day, we had plenty of producers who did lose um, 150 to $250 an acre in soybeans this year. So it's just tough to sit there and look at a bean price out into next year and have the conviction to say that works for my operation. And that has nothing to do with what's happening in South America or renewable diesel. I don't care. We just don't have a revenue opportunity in soybeans, again, for the majority of our producer base. Uh, I get it that there are places where beans outperform corn, but not in our producer base. And it actually has resulted in rather additional sizable shifts, abandoning beans for next year and growing more corn. And that's a third year consecutive that we've done this. Our bean base is dropping further. I would tell you in our group of producers, that number is probably close to 100,000 acre swing, taking away from beans, adding to corn. 
So that kind of sums up beans. It's just tough to quantify but, or but, tough to pencil in any type of a profit. But Jared, the story but is on that the, beans, beans need more acres. Oh, I get that. The market better do something about it then. But quite frankly, too, Chip, um, you know, proactive, reactive, whatever you want to call it. If you rewind the calendar to July, August, and you look at what next year's corn price was, and you look at what the drop in fertilizer was in at that time frame, oh, yeah. you are not going to be able to pencil a better profitability situation in beans and corn by a mile. Wow. However, conversion margins on land, equipment, and chemical fertilizer, seed, so on and so on, there has been windows of opportunity, very short-lived windows of opportunity for that matter, presented um, a necessary game plan to go ahead and make those changes. It doesn't really matter about what our opinion is of what the market needs long-term. You know, I probably shouldn't say this, but we're price takers, Chip. We're certainly not price makers if somebody wants to advocate that we are. Leave that damn thought behind. We are a price taker. And when the opportunity comes around that the revenue to be generated puts the farm in a position to succeed no matter what, those opportunities and windows of opportunity are so small anymore that the decisions for next year's crop was made well before we even got into the field this year. Yeah. It's it's operating as a business, looking into the future, doing what the market is providing an opportunity for, you know, quote unquote, my farm. Okay. Not what I think the market needs me to do, but what right. the market is telling me I can do today. Right. So on corn for 2024, okay. everybody's risk appetite is different. We have guys who have some sold. We have some guys who are a hundred percent sold for next year. Wow. And it's just based upon what their mindset is. What do they need to accomplish what do they want to accomplish? If the two of them happen to marry up together, they take action on it. So I think you can very simply put next year, when you talk about what you need versus what you want, it's going to hurt a lot worse if the move is 5 to $4 corn than it is 5 to $6 corn. Perhaps a move from 5 to 6 just prolongs the inevitable. I don't know. But a move from five to four in the environment we are in today, just ask the North Dakota and South Dakota producers right now. They're looking at sub $4 corn in a lot of places or really, really close to four bucks. It hurts. Mm -hmm. Cost production does not match $4 corn today. And I just think that that's as simple as it needs to be looking out into 2024. Again, what do you need versus what you want? And if you need to make sure you break even, because the banker has kind of told you so, or you know financially that you need to break even, you who knows? Is, is today the last day of $5 plus December 24 corn? Probably not. But what if it is? What if it's a week away? What if it's three weeks away? Um, building a base of $5 plus corn seems like what the market is asking us to do. Mm-hmm. Not, not... <laughs> <laughs> it's well, not and it asked asking for 520 us to say, for a wait long time. and sell it for six. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not asking us to, oh, just wait and do six. And I continue to have this 30,000 foot question that I ask individuals, remove Ukraine and remove the inflation story. And now consider that Brazil is exporting more corn and beans than us. And we're sitting on a 2.2, 2.3 billion bushel carryout. 
in all the years that you've been in business, is that worth five dollar corn? No. 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 Are we going back to sub four dollar corn? I don't know. I'm not suggesting that. But the well, fact of the matter is the input price environment that we are in today does not suggest that we can afford to sell next year's crop 15 to 20% cheaper than where we are today. Yeah. That kind of well, just puts it right out there that if you don't want to do something, that's fine, but you just better understand what's on the other side of it. Because the other tricky piece here, Chip, is let's just assume that our insurance price is five bucks in February. What's 80% of five bucks? $4 corn. Mm-hmm. You raise an APH crop, you get nothing from your insurance until $4. Right. Imagine that conversation, spending a thousand bucks an acre to grow a crop next year. You yield 200, price is four bucks, you generate 800 bucks. Now what do you do? Right. Right. You know, and I don't think it's any more complicated than that. Okay. Okay. Coming off a crop tour, I said a couple of times that it felt like corn was going to see a $3 handle at some point. So, you, you know, you saying that, is it justified to have justified? That's not the right word because a month later I should, I, I thought, my gosh, that was sure stupid to say six weeks later. I was still feeling that was sure stupid to say eight weeks later. I was like, okay, well maybe that's got some validity to it now. And I don't know now if it was the right thing to say or not, Jared, um, because here we are getting into the end of the year and we're still above five bucks. I just don't know. Yeah. I, I, just don't know how this thing's gonna. Well, well. No. So I the point. Hey, you, you we've might... only got a couple of minutes left here. I got to ask you, the guys that decided to get to a hundred percent on twenty-four crop corn, what what was the deciding factor there? Is it just a return on investment? What what got them over the hump to get to a hundred? Well, all those sales actually started clear back the night of the original invasion, Russia and the Ukraine. Okay. All you got to do is go back and look at what corn charts did in the 72 hour period. They got nuts that created the first couple sales. I know we've talked about that before. Yep, and then have. you think back on what kind of prices we've just seen here in the last six to nine months, it presented plenty of opportunities, regardless of opinion of why or what the market is going to do. They're able to see what their return opportunities are and also measure what their good and bad risk is with yield variations up or down. Mm-hmm. Is getting to 100% sold right? I don't know. Is it risky? No. Not if an operation understands exactly what they're trying to accomplish. But it's like a, a game of, it, it's not like that's some fancy number either, Chip. They're just saying that if I can average a December corn futures price of 550 to 570 then I'm going to be okay. And keep in mind, you know, the drop in December 23 corn from say 660 to 450, it dropped two bucks. But at the same time, you saw the relationship between 23 and 24 corn drop about 70% of that itself. Yeah. And most of the times in those inverted markets, that's when it's the toughest for the producer to pull the trigger looking a year out. Exactly. Jared, we got to go. Great conversation. A lot to think about. Thank you, my friend. We'll talk to you later. Thanks, Chip. All right. Jared Creed, JC Marketing. To produce higher yields and greater value at harvest, timing is everything. Full Scale from Helena helps soybeans reach their full potential with breakthrough foliar nutrition and reproduction. 
FullScale delivers beneficial plant extracts and micronutrients with the added efficiency of ENC formulation technology. It gives your soybeans every opportunity to grow strong returns this season. Contact your local ag retailer or Helena representative to learn more about FullScale. Always read and follow label instructions and check registration status before use. From powering irrigation engines to warming buildings, propane has always been a part of American farm life. Now, you can be a part of propane's future and save money at the same time. The Propane Farm Incentive Program is a research initiative that provides farmers up to $5,000 towards the purchase of new propane-powered equipment. In exchange, participants share performance data to make tomorrow's ag operations more cost-effective, more efficient, and more environmentally friendly with propane. Getting started is simple. Visit propane.com slash farm incentive to see if you're eligible. Knowledge is power. We're here to charge your batteries. Agritalk. Welcome back to Agritalk. All right. Great conversation there with Jared Creed. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. A lot of things to think about there, man. And break, you know, one thing that, a point that I didn't get to make, you know, you think about it on the 24 crop, if he started selling all the way back February 22, 21, when Russia invaded, yeah, 21, when mm-hmm. Russia invaded uh, Ukraine, any sale that you might be making now is actually pulling down your average sale. You do that once, and you realize, why in the heck am I waiting? Uh, let's just go ahead mm. and finish this up. Yeah. Set my price now. And then let's move forward with uh, with marketing. <laughs> Start looking out at the 25. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's uh, let's go over to Kerry Artac, Artac Advisory. How you doing, Kerry? I'm doing pretty good, Chip. How about you? Doing real fine, real fine. Uh, don't forget, go to artacadvisory.com, A-R-T-A-C, advisory.com. And Kerry will get you started on a two-week free trial of his daily service. Let's get this week's uh, report started with March corn. Yeah, March corn. We rolled last week from December to March. And in the process, uh, even uh, further and higher above a floor of support that is 460.50. I sound like a broken record, but it is a <laughs> former six-year channel top that we closed above several years ago. And we've reapproached. In fact, the December contract tested it. And then what saved the day, so to speak, was the roll to March, which leapfrogged back above uh, into the 470s, 480s. And here we are. And so this is still an area that can contain selling well into next year and above which 542 even a well-defined six-month channel top uh, remains in reach over the next few months three to five months the signal for that in terms of aggressive buying would be a weekly settlement above 500 and a quarter and i don't expect that this week that level is dropping very gradually it's a weekly channel top that goes back a couple of months and if we can close above 500 and a quarter 542 even likely within probably three to five weeks where we could top out into next spring i see no reason to sell corn long term unless we close below 460 half and i'll just reserve that for next week if we reapproach it 
Okay. On to January feeder cattle and February live cattle, both the primary cattle futures markets. Um, have, well, last week when I was on your show, we were in the midst of testing three-year channel bottoms, and we came off them aggressively to the upside Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of last week, and we're right back at them, in fact, below them uh, on an early week basis. So we have these the sign of weakness that really doesn't get confirmed until the end of the week. So both markets have this, uh, you know, this church steeple uh, formation. Um, <laughs> it's a 10-year high or actually all-time highs for both markets. And we are on the backside of that church steeple. It's not inevitable that we'll continue selling off aggressively, but it does. it is in line with a classic chart formation. And if January feeder cattle closes this week below a three-year channel bottom that is now at 2.1205. We closed today at 2.1052. And because of the long-term nature of these line studies, I really need that 1% violation for what I would call kind of a technical reliability in terms of a downside sell signal. So if on Friday, we close at 2.09.92 or lower, that is 1% below 2.1205, this church steeple backside just keeps uh, degrading down to yeah. 184.15, probably within two to three months. And honestly, by this point next year, that the base of that church steeple comes in at around 146. I wouldn't be surprised to see that a full year from now. That is the big picture. Upside, though, if we can close at 212.05 or higher on Friday, this is a stable market and one prone to uh, rallying aggressively over the next two to three months up to 243.5. I'll keep you prompted on that as the weeks uh, play out. Uh, finally, February live cattle, same story, uh, tested its three-year channel bottom last week, rallied significantly for a few days, and now we're right back at it and just below it. The three-year channel bottom on the February live cattle chart is 167.32. We closed today at 167.07. A 1% violation of that three-year channel is 165.65. So if we close Friday, Feb live cattle, 165.65 or lower, once again, that church steeple, the backside just keeps unwinding. 158.32 expected within two to three weeks, 147.95 within about two to three months. And once again, by this point next year, the mid 130s, 134.32 wouldn't Jeez. surprise me. Until then, if we can close Friday at 167.32 or higher, this market actually stands a pretty good chance of rallying back to 183.22 within about two to three months, where I would see us top out through winter activity. And that pretty much summarizes it, Chip. Yeah, you know. Carrie, when it comes to these cattle markets, both the live and the feeders, when when you were giving, you know, go back two months, three months, and giving us sure. some of the, here's the levels that we need to be watching. I'm thinking, okay, it, this time next year, we'll be testing that 212 area in the feeders. Right. And here we are. Three and a half, and a half months, months later, later, we're yeah. at it. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's unbelievable. It's been aggressive. It certainly yeah. has, uh, you, well, know, you know, almost what? 60 bucks markets off fall. of the high. Yeah, markets fall faster than they rally. And this one rallied fast. So uh, it's, it's, it is what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, and that that is bearish momentum. It remains intact if we close below those key price points this week. But uh, the week is still young. It wouldn't yep. take much for us to kind of ease right back above those points. And uh, yep. we can stabilize and actually turn appreciably higher as we move into later winter. But we're at a... We're at a capitulation point, no doubt about it, in both those markets. Gotcha. Gotcha. Thank you, Carrie. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Artacadvisory.com. All right. National Weather Service 6 to 10 day outlook. This is for December 10th through the 14th. We've got near normal temperatures expected 
eastern Iowa, Missouri, and points to the east and southeast of that. Above normal temperatures expected in Minnesota, western Iowa, most of Kansas, Nebraska, South Dakota, North Dakota. Um, Below normal precipitation expected over the middle of the country. You got to get all the way out to eastern Indiana before you start running into some of the above normal precipitation. The extended outlook, December 12th through the 18th, higher odds of above normal temperatures across most of the country, including the Corn Belt. And let's call it below normal to near normal precipitation expected December 12th through the 18th. Thank you so much for listening today. Come back tomorrow morning, 1006 Central, conversation with Vince Malanga and Dr. Frank Mittlerner right here on Agritalk.